0: I'm Vox, an informed Jack who tells tales, and this is the signal. Thousands of miles to the north and east of the steadfast, across continental shelves long ago fused into a single landmass, lie the lands of the Dawn. A journey of months or years by foot, or moments by less conventional means, on the coast of the Dawn Kingdom of Corral, on the cliffs overlooking the Bay of Pakland is the pit city of Starui. a seedy port town as any in the steadfast and just as packed with opportunity. You must make sure this information reaches Starui If you're in Starui. listen closely. Our first tale begins not in Starui but in Majame, the queendom of the Urael. The Urael are a non-human people who live in the southern expanse of the lands of the Dawn. They are a civilized, social, and surprisingly artistic people. Unfortunately, they see humans as little more than canny and delicious animals to be domesticated, bred, and either put to work or butchered for food. They look upon their neighbors, nations of humans, as a distasteful farce, a facsimile of their own advancement by violent, wild animals who neither understand nor appreciate civilization. In their own lands, they maintain herds of humans, long since degenerated to a primal state, but are always on the lookout for ways to replenish their stock and keep the human gene pools from stagnating. Raiding the neighboring territories has grown dangerous, so they've often turned to unconventional means. And while no self-respecting Urael would ever stoop to dealing with animals like humans, they're more than happy to deal with other visitants and outsiders who move among humanity. And there are many unscrupulous beings who've seen the opportunity at their fingertips. One enterprising vargellan named Tselai has seen that opportunity. The vargellan has worked with greedy and ruthless humans and non-humans alike to create a trade network based out of Starui. On the surface, the Selai Trading Company seems to deal in exotic spices and goods, but the real wealth comes from one particular cargo. Human cargo. Disappearances in corral are not uncommon. Lone travelers vanishing from the roads. People going out for a night of carousing and never being heard from again. Children being snatched for wandering too far from safety. Most of these kidnappings end with the victim stripped of belongings, bound, tagged, and stored in a secret hold in one of the purple-painted boats of the Silai Trading Company. If the boat has no humans working on deck, you can be assured they make a secret stop to trade with the Urail. It's an open secret that someone in Starui is trading humans to the Urail. Indeed, it's not unheard of to find an item, weapon, or bit of clothing for resale in the undermarkets, which is recognizable as belonging to someone who's vanished. However, no one has been able to prove definitively that it's Celai. The Vargellan is wealthy, powerful, with many influential friends, and is very careful to protect itself. But if solid, undeniable proof could be found, Celai could potentially be exposed. And trade in humans to the Urail is the kind of crime very few would stick their necks out to protect the Vargellan from. Remember the purple boats, Numenera hunters, and beware travelling alone. (laughs) On Starui's surface is the Ducal Manor, where the Duchess Dustrum and her family deal in city affairs and maintain the rule of the Queen and Lilies. The Duchess herself is usually occupied with her tinkering and her machines, but many proxies attend to her business on her behalf. Or rather, on behalf of the real mind, in control of Starui. Roaming in the manor grounds, one might run across the Duchess's ward, an outgoing and inquisitive eight-year-old boy named Alakai. If Alakai seems wise beyond his young years, that's because behind those eyes lies the transient mind of an ancient telepath. A telepath who has the ambition and power to enslave thousands. For the most part, Alakai currently lurks around the ducal court, having enslaved the minds of both the Duchess and most of her ministers. For now, he protects himself, consolidates his power over the city, and bides his time. For the machine the Duchess has been tinkering with is a powerful telepathic amplifier, one which will allow Alakai to touch the minds of everyone for hundreds of miles in every direction. Alakai's mind control is far from complete, however. He can directly control only a handful of people at once, but anyone affected by his power is left with suggestions on actions he wants undertaken and an unshakable loyalty to him. A few people have wills potent or alien enough that his mind control has no effect on them. Likewise, his power seems to be ineffective against other telepaths of sufficient skill. Already, laws have begun to appear in Starui that curb the rights of telepaths so Alakai can flush out potential enemies. It hasn't yet reached the level of full persecution, but give it time. Alakai fears death. He long ago fled his original body and has no intention of this one being his last. However, it takes time for him to shift his consciousness fully into a suitable host. If someone could bring themselves to attack an eight-year-old child the ancient telepathic parasite, would be unable to flee. This is not to say he is defenseless or that he doesn't have many, many willing defenders. The situation is not totally hopeless, though. There are a handful of former court appointees who've mysteriously lost their positions in recent years. A captain of the Ducal Guard, a minister of records, and a senior advisor. All were ousted for resisting Alakai's control. They suspect the truth, but they are unable to act without help. Preferably, help from another potent telepath. And they would likely be willing to handsomely reward anyone who could free the Duchess from Alakai's control and stop the telepath's plans. There are other rumors in Starui. Lately, the octopi living in the Bay of Paiklin have been making forays into the subterranean harbors of the city. They've been spotted by keen-eyed observers, but as yet, they have not done anything hostile or suspicious. Are these scouts? Is something afoot under the bay? In one of the old pipes in the lower part of Starui's pit lives a woman named Everest. She breeds a symbiotic extraterrestrial bacteria which can enhance the strength or reflexes of those who become willing hosts, assuming their body doesn't reject them. She is willing to trade for injections, but her price is steep. People in Sterui don't approach the Shambler when it walks the winding street at night, ducking into doorways to give it clearance to pass. No one knows where the Shambler lurks during the day. If you dare to approach, the Shambler will give you a dark omen of the future. My journey continues. To the people of Starui, watch your back, and don't travel alone. To everyone else who can hear me, keep listening. I'll be back with more tales from the steadfast, the beyond, and farther still. Yay to see, Numenera hunters. I'm Vox, and signal. Numenera is a role-playing game written and designed by Monty Cook. Numenera The Signal is a podcast written and produced by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Signal theme song is The Complex by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com. If you have a tale, reporter, story you'd like to share, you can reach Vox through Twitter at VoxJack or online at VoxJack at gmail.com.